0: Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. This teaching was recorded live during our weekend service in St. Charles, Illinois. We invite you to join us in person any weekend in St. Charles, DeKalb, Aurora, or Streamwood. Learn more at ccclife.org. And now, enjoy the message. One of the craziest episodes in the life of the early church involved a couple by the names of Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, True story recorded in the book of Acts chapter 5. You could read it for yourself sometime. Kind of a frightening story. So here's the backdrop to it. Shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection and return to heaven, his his followers started spreading the word about Jesus as Savior and King. And many people responded. Many people surrendered their lives to Christ. And as a result, a church was started. First ever church in the city of Jerusalem. And in that church, there were many, many poor people. And so on occasion, prosperous people in the congregation would give money. Sometimes they would sell a piece of real estate or, or whatever, so they could give as big a gift as possible to alleviating the needs of these poor people. So there was this, uh, this wonderful spirit of generosity in the congregation. Ananias and Sapphira, they were kind of caught up in the excitement of the whole deal. So they decided to participate, to make a big gift, not because they were, you know, they were concerned about poor people, but because they wanted the renown, they wanted the acclaim of being big givers. And so they sold a piece of real estate that they owned. And as soon as they sold it, they didn't realize they were gonna make so much money. They looked at this, this pot of money they'd made and they, oh, well, we can't give all that away. So they kept a majority of it for themselves and they gave a small portion to the poor through their local church. Well, they created a buzz because people saw it as a very generous gift. They didn't know what what Ananias and Sapphira had held back. And so there was this, whoa, did you see their gift? What big contributors, amazing. But Peter, the senior pastor of the Jerusalem church, he knew the backstory. So he called Ananias and Sapphira in. And he said, Now, is it true that you guys gave such and such? You you sold a piece of property for such and such an amount? And they said, Oh, yes. And you gave the entire amount. Oh, yeah, we gave it all. And Peter looked at them and he said, How is it that you've conspired to lie, not only to me and to the church, but you're lying to God? And with that, Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead. Dropped a true story, dropped dead. I've often wanted to tell this story just before we take an offering at Christ Community Church. (laughs) You know? Just don't know if it would shoot the giving up or what. But I want to tell you today, this is not a story about radical generosity. Okay, This is not a story about giving. This is a story about the despicable nature of hypocrisy. As the early church got launched, God wanted to make certain that church members didn't get a bad reputation for being two-faced for being phony, and God isn't the only one who is bothered by hypocrisy. Most of Christianity's critics are as well. I don't know about you, but the most frequent objection I hear to the Christian faith is, those church people are such hypocrites. You ever hear that? Is it true? You know, shouldn't Christ followers have a reputation not for being hypocrites, but for being genuine, for being authentic, for being trustworthy? We are in the third week of a four-part series called Church on the Rock, a place you can trust. A place you can trust. So if Christ Community Church, it seems to me, is going to be a place that people can trust, then we're going to need trustworthy church members. And so that's going to be our focus today. Devoted members, what do they look like? What do devoted church members look like? I want you to turn with me in your New Testament to Ephesians chapter 4, 4. That's going to be our text for the day. Take out the outline from your program, follow along electronically. Four-part outline, four activities that are characteristic of devoted church members. And I want you to use this list as a sort of checklist. So keep notes yourself and then use this as a personal inventory when we're done. How are you doing with regard to these four activities? But before we dive into Ephesians 4... Before we start looking at these four activities that are characteristic of devoted church members, I want to address three groups, three different groups of people that are gathered across our four campuses today at Christ Community Church. First group, those of you who are already devoted church members, I just want to say thanks. (laughs) Thank you because you make Christ Community Church what it is. You know, your commitment to show up and to serve and to give and to pray, you know you put us on the map. Thank you. Second group, at the other end of the spectrum, I want to address those of you who are not yet Christ followers. Okay, You're here because you're exploring the Christian faith. You want to know if there's anything in it for you, a relationship with Jesus. And I want you to know that I hope Christ Community is a very welcoming place to you. Our weekend services, I hope they, they help you as you explore the possibility of a relationship with Jesus. And you need to know we have absolutely no expectations that you be a member around here. We're just glad you're here. And there, there will come a day when you surrender your life to Christ and then you'll probably step up to membership. But there's a third group I wanna address as well and that is those of you who are Christ followers but maybe don't see the importance of church membership. Okay, perhaps you come fairly regularly on weekends, maybe you're involved in a community group, perhaps you even serve around here and none of those things require membership. So why the extra hoop of going from church attender to church member? Well, honestly, for years we rarely even mentioned membership around here. I mean, We had membership, we, we just never said anything about it. And then we started to notice traces of membership in the Bible, and that's our operating manual at Christ Community Church, God's Word. We started seeing traces of membership in Scripture. For example, the Apostle Paul writing to a local church in the city of Rome. He writes, Romans 12, verse 5, So in Christ we, though many, form one body, one church body here, and every member belongs to all the others. Every member belongs to others to all the others. Now, there are many other scriptures like that that make a case for church membership, which is why we put a brochure together. We gave it to you on your way in today, called Why Become a Member of a Local Church, and it is filled with scriptures. It was put together by our resident theologian, Pastor Clayton So I encourage you, take it home and and read it through. But today, I'm not gonna spend my time trying to prove the importance of membership. I'm gonna assume the, the importance of membership and take our time painting a picture of what a devoted church member looks like. Because friends, at the end of the day, what we want, we want outsiders to be able to look at the church and see not hypocrites, but devoted members whose lives are characterized by the following four activities. Number one. Devoted members serve in the context of their local church. They serve. Look look at the opening verses of today's scripture text. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, all titles for church leaders, okay? He gave church leaders to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ May be built up. This is the word of the Lord. Now, look at the passage I just read to you, the, the two verses. And I want to ask you the question why does God give leaders to the church? Why does God give leaders to the church? What is the job of the paid pastoral staff at Christ Community Church according to these verses? If you say, well, you know, they're supposed to serve people. I mean, they've, they've been hired to counsel people and to mend broken marriages, to meet the needs of the poor, to execute weekend services, to mentor children and, and students. If, if that's what you're thinking, let me read to you once again the middle section of those verses where, where Paul says pastors are supposed to equip his people, God's people, for works of service. So who does the serving according to these verses? Call it out. The people, God's people. people. You know, the pastors are coaches, but the players on the playing field are God's people, are devoted members. And speaking of the playing field, I want you to notice where these pastor-trained members are supposed to focus their serving. Verse 12, it says that when people do their works of service, the body of Christ is built up. So as we serve... Paul has in mind here serving that builds up what builds up the church, builds up the church. Now, I want you to let that sink in for a few moments. When I teach you at our weekend services, I hope that I'm equipping you to do a better job of serving your family. So you'll be a better dad, better mom, better son, better daughter. You know, I hope that weekend after weekend, as I teach you God's word, I'm equipping you to do a better job of serving your workplace so that you'll be a better plumber or better uh, uh, taxi driver, better doctor, better school teacher, better business owner, better student. However, my, my job is not simply to help you serve in these personal arenas of your life, it's to help you serve at Christ Community Church, which Paul calls in very exalted language here, the body of Christ so that the body of Christ is built up. So if you're taking what you learn here on weekends or what you're learning in your community group and you're only, you're only putting it into practice for your family, for your, your workplace, Paul would say to you, yeah, but what about the church? What about the body of Christ? Let me give you several examples of people who, who have grasped this concept that they're being equipped to serve, and that a major focus of their service is to be the church. Okay, I think of Cora, a friend of mine, she is a sophomore in high school, and on the weekends she volunteers either as a, a production assistant, and as a production assistant it means that she is in charge of getting things and people on and off the stage at our St. Charles campus including me. I think that's what she likes about the job. She, she gets to boss Pastor Jim around. You know, she says, it's your time to go out. Go, you know. Is your microphone on? She wants to make sure I don't come out here and my, my microphone's not been turned on. And, and on other weekends, she serves as a small group leader in kids' world. And she is part of a cadre of students who serve around here, middle school and high school students. If you're a middle school or a high school student, I want you to know this is not just your parents' church. This is your church. And so we value it when when you become a member, you go through our begin to belong class, our membership class, and you begin to serve. We're proud of you. You know, there are other students who do the the same thing. I think of of Grace and Alyssa. Both of these high school girls care for babies in the nursery during our services. So those of you who are young parents, you you get to enjoy the service baby-free, okay? And these same girls, they both serve on Wednesday night in the middle school ministry, mentoring middle school girls at Genesis. And then in addition, Grace is part of our worship team, and Alyssa volunteers in our office during the week. High school girls. Or I think about Jacob, a high school guy. He loves preschoolers, and so he comes to the 9 o'clock service to serve preschoolers in kids' world. And then he goes to the 11 o'clock on his own. And then he comes back in the middle of the week on Wednesday night, not for Genesis, for middle school, but for Epic, for grade school kids, and serves with our grade school kids at Epic. You know, these high school students are pace setters, becoming members and serving their local church. Now, at the other end of the spectrum, I want to tell you about some senior citizens around here. Okay, we, we have a, a, a group for our older adults called Primetimers, And about a week ago, 52 prime timers showed up at our our central campus offices and they worked all day. They did whatever administrative tasks were given to them uh, and they cleaned every nook and cranny of our building. We got 165,000 square feet in St. Charles and they cleaned everywhere they found uh, there, there to be a need for clean. 52 seniors did that. See now, with all these people, I'm giving you these examples. All these people recognize that it costs something to serve. If you volunteer to come and serve Kids World on a Sunday, it means you can't just skip out of town any old weekend you 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 please, or just say, "I'm not going going to church today." You got to show up. You know, it means if you volunteer for a ministry like Care Night, you start serving on Tuesday nights. Caring for people who are trying to break addictions or going through grief or recovering from divorce. It means you can't come home on a Tuesday at the end of a hard work day and say, I'm beat. I'm just going to veg in front of the TV. These people get in their car no matter how they feel, and they drive to care night because they got a job to do. they got people to serve, the body of Christ. It means that if you sign up to be an 11 o'clock service usher, guess what? During the fall, every time the Bears play a noon game, you're going to miss the first quarter. It's worth it. (laughs) It costs something to serve, but that's what devoted members do. They serve in the context of their local church. Number two. By the way, if you're looking for a place to serve, and you're saying, well, I just, you know, this church seems to have so many resources, so many involved people. They don't need me. Go to Simply Serve. That is our website that will tell you about scores of opportunities to serve around here, and we do need you. So Simply Serve, check it out. Number two, devoted members learn in the context of their local church. They learn. Back to Ephesians 4, Paul says that pastors are supposed to teach and equip church members, verses 13 and 14 will continue, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then we will no longer be infants, spiritual infants, tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching he's talking about false teaching here by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming so a pastor's job according to these verses is to faithfully teach God's word week after week after week and a member's response to that teaching is to learn is to learn as much as they can about God's word so that, look at the verses again, so that they grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. So you're learning more and more about Jesus. And so that, the verses continue, they become spiritually mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. They become like Jesus. And so that they don't get sucked into false teaching and misinterpretations of the Bible and the deceitful insights of this world. A pastor's job is to faithfully teach the Bible and a devoted member's job is to learn everything they can about what God says. So pastors just got to teach, church members just, you know, got to learn. One of the first the first crises in the early church occurred because there was a a problem that needed to get fixed in the food distribution program for the poor widows so the, the widows weren't getting the food that they needed that the church had donated but it wasn't getting distributed evenly and so the leaders of the church the pastors called the congregation together and and said now listen we could fix this problem but that's not our calling Our calling is to study the Bible and to teach it to you and your job is to fix problems like these. And so they appointed some people to fix the problem of the food distribution program and the problem got fixed and the widows got fed and the pastors continued to teach and the people continued to learn and the church grew and people's lives were transformed. It worked. It worked. Devoted members learn in the context of their local church. Now, there are other contexts in which you can learn the Bible. There are other ways you could pick up Bible knowledge. Uh, you, You could go to resource at any of our four campuses, our bookstore. You could pick up a Christian book that is sprinkled with Bible verses. You know, you could go online. You could find your favorite preacher and listen to his podcast sermon week after week you could join a community or a workplace bible study that's not christ community sponsored but you know they're digging into the bible these are these are great methods to get the bible however let me stress they're supplemental there's so, so, so if you skip out on your pastor's teaching because you think, well, I could miss the weekend, I got other methods of getting the Bible, there's something very special about a pastor's teaching. You know, I'm reminded here of an anecdote I, I've told you before. The guy who's sleeping in on Sunday morning, this kind of goes with the video uh, before the sermon today, his wife wakes him up and says, honey, we got to go to church. He says, I don't want to go to church. And she says, honey, we got to go. And he says, give me three good reasons. And she says, okay, reason number one, because God deserves our worship. Reason number two, okay, the Bible's going to be taught. People are going to learn. And reason number three, you're the pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there's there's something unique about a pastor's teaching, all right? Let, Let me tell you what it is. What you get on a, on a weekend here that you won't get through any other channel. Okay, three uniquenesses I want to tell you about. The first is you get a balanced diet. Okay, last spring, Pastor Clayton and I, we met, oh, four or five times, two hours at a shot to discuss what we're going to cover in sermon series this current ministry season. So September through June. All the topics we're going to cover, all the Bible passages we're going to work through, we put together a balanced diet. And then I went away on my summer study break and I dug in to the text that we're going to be looking at, starting to put stuff together. So our balanced diet means that we balance series that cover hot topics with series that just walk you through a book of the Bible. Balanced diet means we balance series that address the needs of those of you who are exploring the faith, introducing you to basic Christianity, with series that are kick butt for growing believers it means that we balance series that are oriented toward life application you know this is a series about the workplace or singlehood or conflict management with series that are theological in nature this is a series about sin or about the holy spirit or about heaven and hell now friends you won't find this sort of balanced Bible diet simply by randomly listening to podcast sermons of your favorite preacher or picking up a variety of Christian books or attending a community Bible study that spends the, the, the entire year in the book of Romans. Again, that's good supplemental stuff. But we're trying to give you a balanced diet, which, by the way, if you miss a sermon around here, I just encourage you, go back and pick up whatever you miss because this has been carefully charted to provide you with everything you need for a spiritual diet. And so, for example, if you missed last weekend about leadership in this Church on the Rock series, some really important things were covered. Go back and listen to it. So one footnote to this point, our Kids World Ministry, our student ministries, they also work hard to provide your children with a balanced Bible diet, which is why if you're a mom or dad, It's so critical that that you get your kids here, not not just for Kids World on the weekend or if they're middle school and high school with you in the service, but come back in the middle of the week when we continue to teach the Bible in Epic to grade school kids, in Genesis to middle school kids, at house groups to high school kids. Most of you moms and dads, your kids don't drive. Okay, if your seven-year-old drives, we got a problem. But it it means that your seven-year-old can't get to where the Bible's being taught unless you bring them. Unless you make it a priority to get your kids to Epic or Genesis or high school house group. Second uniqueness of learning in the context of the local church. Another uniqueness, there's a mission emphasis to our teaching. See, God has given local churches a mission, and our mission as a church, our mission extends beyond your family life, extends beyond your workplace engagement. The mission of the church includes everything from caring for the poor to sharing the good news of Jesus with uh, spiritually lost people to mentoring the next generation to crusading for social justice to reaching the world, the nations for Christ. And so whenever we preach the Bible at Christ Community Church, we're always trying to move people into some aspect of our mission. I mean, you, you will never hear the Bible taught around Christ Community strictly for the sake of Bible knowledge. It will always have something to do with our mission. It will always be taught so as to motivate you to go on a go team trip, or to serve in some area of ministry, or to go to the abortion clinic and, and, and pray. There's always a mission behind it. Third uniqueness of our teaching, an accountable teacher. An accountable teacher. Go back to Ephesians 4, verse 14, middle of the verse. Paul says that a pastor's teaching should protect church members from from being tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Again, false teaching. And by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. That's a mouthful, but what Paul's saying here is you you need to know who you're learning from. You need to realize that out in the world every week, you're you're getting schooled. You're getting schooled by the media. You're getting schooled by the movies you watch and the books you read. You're getting schooled by your peers. And so the pastor has the job of countering all that with the faithful teaching of God's Word. Yes, but this is what God's Word teaches. And he's to keep you from false teaching too because there may be people out there, Paul is insinuating here, who are teaching the Bible but not accurately. You know, how do you know if the Christian author you're reading or the podcast preacher you're listening to is teaching with accuracy? I'll tell you how it works around here. I said this last weekend. You know, every week before I preach a sermon, I send my notes out, middle of the week, goes to a handful of pastoral staff here and a handful of our elders, and they review every sermon. And they're looking for anything that, you know, is glaringly, uh, doesn't match with God's word, anything that sticks out. No, this isn't true to the Bible. Got to work on that. and and we scrutinize the Bible teaching of every ministry at Christ Community Church. Devoted members learn in the context of their local church because this is where you'll get a balanced diet, this is where you'll hear Bible teaching with a mission emphasis, this is where you're going to encounter accountable teachers. You get it? Good. Number three, what does a a devoted member look like? What do they do? Well, they, they grow. They grow in the context of their local church. Back to Ephesians 4 one more time. Pick it up at verse 15. After the apostle Paul says that your pastor is going to equip you to resist error out there in terms of teaching, he says, and then instead of speaking the truth, instead by speaking the truth in love, we will grow We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. We'll grow, we'll flourish, we'll thrive, you know, as we become more and more like Christ. I got a good friend, a pastor in Southern California. A couple years ago, he wrote a book. It's become a best selling book. It's, it's It's a small little book, kind of a coffee table book. It's called I Love Sundays. I Love Sundays and uh, I think the subtitle is something like Making Sunday the Best Day of Your Week. It's a very upbeat book. He got the idea for the book from a country western song. And I don't know if you're familiar with Craig Morgan. I'd never listened to any of his stuff, but he wrote a song called What I Love About Sundays. What I Love About Sunday, singular, I think. And so I decided to YouTube it, you know. I I went and watched it, and it is a a delightful song, and he sings about the fact that the first thing he likes about Sunday is it's church. It's going to church where there is a, a, a life-giving environment for him. By the way, this must have connected with people because I saw there were over 23 million views of this YouTube. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Not now, but after the, the service. Craig, Craig Morgan, What I Love About Sunday. And he, he talks about church as, as if it's life-giving. And you may be thinking, well, that's kind of an overstatement, a bit of an exaggeration. Claims a bit too much for what church on the weekend will do for you. Well, if that's what you're thinking, I want to cite some sociological stats for you with respect to church attendance. My friend Hal, in his little book, he did the research, so, um, you know, drafting behind that research. People who attend church regularly live seven and a half years longer than those who don't. See, you're here today. You're going to live seven and a half years longer than... (laughs) I'm not done. They're 56% more likely to have an optimistic outlook on life, 35% less likely to get divorced, and they enjoy greater marital satisfaction. Say, I'm glad he tagged that other one on because it could be that we don't get divorced, we just stay in miserable marriages, right? But no, no, we don't get divorced and we enjoy greater marital satisfaction. People who attend church regularly achieve higher grades. Practice better time management, right? Because you're giving this time to being here. And my favorite, they experience a more rewarding sex life. Wow. (laughs) So happy to hear about that last one. Yeah, we hear hear applause. (laughs) Church attendance helps people thrive. Now, now, that's not my word. That's the statistics of the sociologists here. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote much the same thing 2,000 years ago. He just used the word grow. Church members grow in the context of their local church. Look again at the second half of verse 15. He says, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who's the head, that is Christ. We'll grow in the context of our church to become more and more and more like Jesus. Uh, let me say something that will sound initially like an oxymoron. Okay, one of those blatant contradictions. Here it is. Individual growth often happens best in group settings. Individual personal growth often happens best in, in group settings. Yeah, consider this analogy. Let's say you want to become a really good baseball player. So here's what you do. In order to improve your hitting, you go to a local batting cage every day. You put in your money, and you hit everything the mechanical arm throws at you. And, and then to do better as a, as a fielder, you just throw a baseball against a brick, brick wall thousands of times every day, catching every returning ricochet. So you're going to become a, a really great baseball player doing that? You say, well, not, not really. So What's missing? You need to take the field with nine other players. You need game experience, game after game, working with the rest of the team to become a great baseball player. And the same is true of the Christian life. Active church participation is what you need to grow. See, Christ will provide you here as you come on a weekend or gather uh, during the week to serve in some ministry or in your community group. God will provide you with relationships. Relationships are critical for growth. You now the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 27, verse 17, that just as iron sharpens iron, so people sharpen each other. So you, you need people to help you grow. Paul says that in verse 15 that I read, read a moment ago. He says, we grow by speaking the truth in love to one another. See that verse 15? Speaking the truth in love. Church is where you'll find friends and community group buddies and, and elders, if need be, who will dare to tell you what you need to hear. And they'll say it in love. The church is also the place where we'll experience soul-refreshing worship, something that's bigger and better when we do it with lots of other people. Pastor Clayton's going to be talking about this one next week when we wrap up our, our Church on the Rock series. Craig Morgan, first and last verse of his song, What I Love About Sunday, He talks about stepping into a worship service, lifting hands held high and singing amazing grace. He talks about celebrating baptism as people come out of the water and just what it does. You know, baptism, by the way, is one of two things that the Bible teaches. Theologians call them ordinances because they're ordered by God's word that that believers must participate in. If you're a Christ follower, one is baptism. If, if you've never been baptized since trusting Christ, since surrendering to Christ, you know, our next baptism celebration is October 27 and 28. Plan to be part of it. Come to an orientation class. But, but then every baptism around here ought to be a celebration for all of us who are Christ followers, a not-miss event. And the other thing that Scripture says every Christ follower needs to do collectively is to participate in those meaningful, deep times of reflection in communion on what Christ has done for us at the cross. And we do that once a month at Christ's community. Don't miss it. Do these together. Now, everything I've just been describing to you, you know, about how church contributes to your growth to your personal thriving assumes that, you know, you're gathering together with other believers regularly. I'm glad the Christ Community Church live streams its services, so if you ever have to miss because you're sick or because you're out of town and you just can't make it here, you could tune in and you could follow along with our service, but I got to put in a disclaimer here, all right, and that is, those live streams are, are not meant to be a substitute for live services. Please don't trade live services for live streaming, because it's just not the same thing. You, you miss out on, on what's a critical element, the fellowship, the bumping elbows with others who've come to worship. Fellow believers, you, you miss the live worship. You know, you miss the opportunity to dig in and serve in, in some capacity. My pastor friend, Hal, who wrote that book, um, yeah, I Love Sundays, he tells in it his own personal stories as when he was a child growing up, church was just so boring to him. And when he got to be 11 years old, he was put through a rite of passage in his church. They called it confirmation class. Some of you may have grown up in a church that had confirmation. And when, when all the 11-year-olds graduated, the pastor addressed them and he said, okay, you're now entering adulthood. You're a young adult, and so you have a responsibility to make adult decisions for yourself. And Hal said, so the first adult decision I made was to stop going to church. (laughs) And it was only years later when he ran into a friend who introduced him to Jesus in a personal way. When Hal surrendered his life to Christ, that he decided to give church another shot, and he found that he loves And this is what he writes in his book. He says, during the years I dropped out of church, I did a lot of fun things on Sundays, but none of them prepared me to be a better person on Monday. And few of them introduced me to the quality of people I met in the church, and none of them helped me to know God better. See, devoted members grow, flourish in the context of their local church. One last one. Devoted members contribute, number four, they contribute in the context of their local church. One last look at Ephesians 4, verse 16. Paul says, from him, from Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. Paul says here that the local church is intended by God to to accomplish something collectively, but that the collective achievement can't be realized unless each part makes its own contribution. Several months ago, I shared with you an analogy about the church that was given to me by a friend. I thought it was a pretty cool analogy. So let me give it to you again. Uh, My friend said, You know i look at weekend services at christ community church and i i see the church as being like a a great big aircraft carrier and he said i'm a fighter pilot so during the week i'm out on forays you know doing my missions and i come back to the aircraft carrier once a week like people come to church to the weekend services and i'm out of gas i need to be refueled and my, my, you know, my aircraft is all dinged up from anti-aircraft fire, I need to be fixed, and then sent out with new motivation. And I, I say, well, that's a really cool analogy, except I think it's missing something, and I want to add it. So here's what I would add. No fighter pilot goes off and does their own thing, right? They, they don't just determine willy-nilly, I'm going to do this or that. You know, no, they're part of a coordinated battle plan. Okay, their command central has put something together and they've got a role to play. And that's the way it is with church, friends. I hope when you come here on the weekend, I hope we refuel you. I hope we fix your dings. I hope we send you out with new enthusiasm to face the world. I hope we make a contribution to your life. However, scripture teaches your job is to make a contribution to the overall battle plan, to the mission of the church. You know, when I hear the word membership, I always think of the American Express uh, commercial from years ago, back in the 1990s. Those of you who were alive back then, for about a decade, American Express ran the same commercial. In fact, I bet if I start the line, you could finish the slogan, right? Membership has its privileges membership has that's what's drilled into us membership has its privileges if you become the member of something you ought to know what's in it for me you know what am I going to gain from becoming a member I'm here to tell you today it doesn't work like that with church see the founder of church Jesus Christ he had absolutely nothing to gain and everything to lose when he left the glory of heaven And he came to earth to become one of us. And then he laid down his life on the cross to take the penalty our sins deserve. Our sins deserve death because we've gone our way instead of God's way and God's the giver of life. We deserve death and Jesus took our death. Nothing to gain and everything to lose. And so when you come to the the place in your life when you surrender your life to Jesus, and you receive the forgiveness and the new life he gives, one of the things he does is he turns your values upside down, and you're no longer screaming, membership has its privileges. You're saying, you know what? Membership has its responsibilities. It's not all about what what I can gain. It's about what I can contribute, what I can give, by way of prayer and service and and, and offering and uh, fellowship. You know, when the world looks at the church, what are they going to, when the world looks at Christ Community Church, what are they going to see? Are they going to see hypocrites? Or are they going to see people who are passionate about serving and about learning and about growing and about contributing? I'm going to close in a word of prayer, but before I do, let me say, If you've not yet become a member of Christ Community Church, we actually scheduled, knowing we were going to do this weekend on the importance of membership, we scheduled an extra membership class for the fall. We just finished one a couple weeks ago. Over 100 people participated. But uh, we scheduled another one at all four of our campuses coming up in October or or November. And I would encourage you, write down the date now uh, of the class that's going to be taught on your campus and plan to become a member. Go to Begin to Belong. If you're not yet serving, go to Simply Serve and find a place to plug in. Let me pray. Lord God, this is a picture we've looked at today of what we want to become as a church. We want people to sit up and take notice, not because they see inconsistencies and phoniness, but because they see people who really value what they're part of. People who don't just give it lip service, but people whose very lives demonstrate the fact that they're part of some movement that's bigger than themselves. Something worth giving their full energy to. And I pray as a result, many would be drawn to Christ when they see the enthusiasm of your followers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.